Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach about Elijah and lessons that we can learn from his life. And tomorrow is going to be my last day to teach this on television. So I'm offering this book in English or in Spanish. I've also got this study guide that is the same materials, just formatted so that you could teach a Bible study or a Sunday school class. And then I've got CDs and also DVDs that were taken from television. And tomorrow is going to be my last day to make all of these materials available. So please go to the effort of requesting this. You can also go to our website and you can get all of these as free downloads. But I promise you, this teaching has transformed my life. I mean, it has impacted me in a big way. And I just pray that this is having the same impact on you. Sad to say, a lot of people just ignore what the Bible teaches, and they go out and they have to learn all of these things through their own hard knocks. There's a better way, and that's to take these examples and learn through them the ways that they dealt with God. They're good and bad things. And Elijah is one of these characters in the Bible that he was, he was a great example in the 17th and 18th chapter of 1 Kings. But then beginning with chapter 19, he was a bad example about how that he got out of trusting in the Lord. He got to trusting in himself. He ran in fear. He um, refused to acknowledge the truth. He went instead by feelings and said he was the only one left when he knew that there were still a hundred prophets that had not bowed the knee to Baal. And then the Lord told him that there was over 7,000 people that were still true worshipers of God. He knew these things, but yet he didn't go by what he knew. He went by how he felt. And because of it, he basically just quit the ministry. And God told him to go anoint a replacement. He raised up Elisha to take his place. And he did recover to the degree that he prophesied the death of Ahab and Jezebel and then God used him to prophesy the death of their son, Ahaziah, who was uh, refusing to go to God for help and instead was calling out to Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. And so he did recover and get back into the ministry in the sense that he uh, followed the leadership of God on a couple of occasions. But here is one of the most amazing things in the whole life of Elijah. And that is in 1 Kings chapter 2, He's one of only two people in Scripture who were translated into heaven. He didn't die physically. You know, the Scripture says the wages of sin is death. And so death had passed upon all men because of all of sin. Romans chapter 5 says that. And yet Enoch and Elijah were translated into heaven. I don't know exactly how that happened. I know that God is God and He could do anything He wants to, but He conforms to His Word and it says that the wage of sin is death. Enoch and Elijah, neither one of them were without sin. As a matter of fact, I've just, you know, shown in the 19th chapter of 1 Kings 
that he disobeyed God, even in the audible voice, told him to do three things, and he didn't do two of them. He just went and anointed his replacement and skipped the first two things that God told him. That's sin. That's failing to do what God told him. And yet, he walked with the Lord to such a degree that he was translated into heaven. You know, let me turn back to Genesis chapter 5 and just read this about Enoch. He's the only other person recorded in Scripture who didn't die and was taken into heaven. And it says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And there's other scriptures that refer back to this. But Enoch, it says, walked with God, and God just took him. He didn't die. He was just taken to heaven. I heard one minister say that he walked so closely with God that one day as he was visiting with God, it's like the Lord said, you're closer to my home than you are yours. Come home with me. And in a sense, in a spiritual sense, this is what it was. He was walking so closely with God, he was just caught up into heaven. Now, if that's what happened with Enoch, that he walked with God. It's special mention of that. That's the reason that he was not. He was just translated into heaven. You would suppose that the same thing happened here with Elijah. And he was just walking with God so closely that he was caught up into heaven in a whirlwind. And yet, remember that he just failed to do some of the things that God spoke to him in an audible voice. He failed God big time, and because of it, Naboth was killed by Ahab, a man that shouldn't have even been alive at that time if Elijah would have obeyed the instructions that were given. And there was other people that died through a um, famine that went on. And, and over in... This is after Elijah's translation, but nonetheless, uh, if Haziel had been the king of Syria, these things that are reported over here in 2 Kings chapter 7 wouldn't have happened. And this is where the city was surrounded and the drought got so bad that women actually started eating their own children. Did you know that all of those things, in a sense, can be laid at the feet of Elijah because he didn't anoint Haziel to be king over Syria? Things would have been different. I think that there's danger in speculating too much on this because we don't know how to predict what would have, could have, should have happened. But I do know that if Haziel would have been king, things would have been different. I do know that if Jehu would have been king, Ahab wouldn't have been able to kill Naboth and take his vineyard. And there were things that happened. There were consequences to Elijah disobeying God, and it hurt people, and he just flat missed it. There is no way around it, and yet he walked with God so that in 2 Kings chapter 2, he was literally caught up into heaven. So, man, this is a great lesson to learn from Elijah, that the mercies of God are new every morning, that God does not hold our sins against us. If we truly repent, Man, God takes our sins as far as the east is from the west, is what it says in Psalms 103. And He cast them into the sea of forgetfulness and puts a sign there that says, No fishing. Amen. I mean, it's just separate. There's some great lessons about the mercy of God that we can see in the very fact that Elijah was translated into heaven. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, It came to pass 
when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And you'll find out later in this story, I'm just trying to interpret some of these things rather than just sit here and read the entire chapter and go verse by verse through everything. But you'll find out that Elisha knew that God was going to take Elijah into heaven that day. And he was specifically holding on to Elijah because he wanted a double portion of the spirit and the power that rested upon Elijah. And he believed that he had to be there when when he was caught up into heaven. And so this was not just happenstance. It wasn't just the way that it happened to be. Elisha was persisting in this. He was refusing to let Elijah out of his sight. And in verse 3, it says, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So there's a number of things. Just like I said, this shows that Elisha knew what was going to happen. Now, this is amazing because I don't know exactly how they got this, but I do know this, that the New Testament says that the things that they had had no glory, no no power, no greatness compared to what we have. What we have as believers in the New Testament is greater than this, and yet Elisha seemed to know things by the Spirit of the Lord that many times Christians today don't know these things. They don't know what's going on around them. They aren't listening to the voice of God. They just have to see it before, you know, they are aware that anything is happening. Elisha knew it, and also all of the sons of the prophets at Bethel. What this is referring to is that Elijah and Elisha started a school where they taught prophets how to hear God and how to respond from God. And this is a great testimony to the effectiveness of it that all of the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came out and they knew what was going to happen to Elijah. And Elijah hadn't told anybody. I mean, that's very clear in this passage. And yet all of these people knew by the Spirit of the Lord what was going to happen. If they could hear God that clearly under this old covenant that was inferior to ours, how much more should we know things that are happening? And yet I can guarantee you there are, I'd say the majority of Christians today, they don't know things in advance. The scripture promises over in John chapter 16, I believe it's verse 13. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit has come, he will show you things to come. And we should know things to come. That doesn't mean that we know every single detail, that we know exactly, you know, what the stock market's going to do or and all of these things, but we shouldn't have we shouldn't be surprised. We ought to have God prepare us and show us things to come. If I had time, I could give you many testimonies of how God has spoken to me, things that would come, and because I've taken action on what He spoke to me, it saved me from making mistakes. It kept me from losing money. It has caused me to prosper and things like this. And so we can expect these things today. That's a lesson that you can learn from Elijah. And so in verse 4, it says, And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. 
Here's another lesson that you can learn. This happened three different times on this day that Elisha, that Elijah was taken up into heaven. And if you were to take a map and mark all of these things out, I mean, it's a long distance. I did this one time, and I forget now the exact thing, but I think it was over 20 miles that they covered in this one day, walking from, you know, Gilgal to Bethel and then to Jericho and all of these places. They covered quite a bit of area, and this is the day that Elijah was caught up into heaven. So this shows us something about his physical condition. He wasn't weak. He wasn't infirm. He was walking somewhere around 20 miles on the day that he was caught up into heaven. And I think that here's a lesson that we can learn, that you don't have to exit this life weak and infirm. I've actually had some people come to me before and say, well, if you don't get old and if you don't get decrepit and if you don't have all of these pains and all of these problems and stuff, how are you going to die? You don't have to die sick. You can just leave. You know, Jesus said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And it's when he released his spirit that he died. It says that Aaron was told to go up under the mountain and he gathered his feet under him and he just died and left. And he was strong enough that he climbed a mountain the day that he died. The same thing happened to Moses. I believe it's Deuteronomy chapter 32. And he climbed up onto the top of Mount Nebo at 120 years old and was strong enough to walk up there. There's no indication anybody carried him. He was by himself. He walked up there and he was gathered unto the Lord. And so there's many examples. You do not have to die sick and infirm. You know, you can just leave. And I could give you some modern-day examples. I'm not going to make my whole program today about that, but there are people I know. One of them was a personal friend of mine. I wasn't real close to him, but Charles Capps is a man that the Lord told him that he would be leaving on a Sunday. And he called up some of his friends. One of those friends was Happy Caldwell, who's a very good friend of mine, and Charles Capps called him and told him that, you know, he was going to go home to be with the Lord on Sunday. And so Happy Caldwell went over and spent all day Saturday with him. And he said he was feeling good and things were going good. He was, you know, he had some physical problems, but I mean, he wasn't dying like that day. He wasn't down to the last breath. He was doing good. Happy said he visited with him. And the next day, he, he went to sleep on Saturday night and just didn't wake up on Sunday morning. You don't have to die sick. You can just go. You can, when it's your time, you can go. Amen. This is one of the lessons that I learned from Elijah. He was still in good shape and walking like 20 miles the day that he was caught up into the presence of the Lord. And so in verse 5, it says, And the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So here again, this isn't just one group of prophets. This is the second time that a whole group of prophets came and they knew what was going to happen. They knew by the Spirit of the Lord. Elijah hadn't told anybody. If this can happen for them, we ought to be able to hear the voice of God. And I tell you, I think that this is something that is in short supply in the body of Christ today. Most people are not tuned in. Their ear isn't tuned to hear the voice of God. It's tuned to hear all of the doubt and the unbelief and the negativism and the griping and the complaining of this world. And the way that we can change that is just like Proverbs chapter 4 says, we incline our ear to hear. 
That doesn't mean that you tilt your head, but it means you tune your heart. I've mentioned this one other time during this series, but I've got a series entitled Hardness of Heart that'll tell you why our hearing becomes affected and we can't hear God. And once you understand what it is that causes our hearts to be hardened towards God, you can reverse the process and you can get to where you hear the voice of God clearly. I believe that that is for us today. You know, I don't do this perfectly, but I can guarantee you that the things that I can see in my ministry right now, all of the assets that God has given us, the people that are responding, the people that are coming to the Bible college, the lives that are being changed, on and on you could go. I can guarantee you the reason those things are happening is because I've been able to hear the voice of God. And God has spoken things to me, told me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, And because of it, we're seeing miraculous results. Like I said, I don't claim that I do it perfectly, but I am hearing God much more than I ever did before. And because of it, that's the reason we're seeing good results. You can hear the voice of God. John chapter 10, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not hear. That should be the normal Christian experience. And yet the sad thing is that the normal Christian today is not hearing the voice of God, but they can hear the voice of fear, the voice of unbelief, the voice of doubt, the voice of unforgiveness. They can hear those things clearly, but they struggle to hear the voice of God. It's not because God's not speaking. It's because our hearts have become hardened and our ears have become dull and unable to hear. We can reverse that process. So in verse 6, it says, Elijah said unto him, unto Elisha, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Again, I pointed this out earlier last week, but one of the things that you have to do to see the power of God manifest in your life is you can't can't just do it half-heartedly. You've got to be committed to something. Another way of saying this is that as long as you can live without the power of God, you will. But when you get to a place to where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I am not going to quit seeking God until I finally make the connection, until I begin to understand and receive from God, when you get that attitude to where there's no quit left in you, that's when you begin to start seeing the power of God manifest in your life. And this is exactly what Elisha did. Elisha knew that God was going to take him up into heaven, and Elisha was not wanting to let this opportunity pass. He was going to take advantage of it, and he refused to leave Elijah under any circumstances. Boy, that attitude right there is one that we need to adopt today. It's not that God has to be Uh, you know, persisted on or we have to bend his arm. God wants to bless us more than we want to be blessed. But God doesn't bless us when we're just half-heartedly seeking him. You know, to to give God's power to a person that doesn't have the heart to be able to handle it is like giving a hand grenade or something to a little kid. I can guarantee you they're going to destroy themselves or destroy somebody else if they don't have the maturity to be able to handle it. And to have God's power in your life and not have the maturity to handle it is detrimental to you. And because of God's love, He won't entrust His power to just anybody. You have to be seeking with your whole heart and be receptive to Him. And you can see that in Elisha right here. And so it says in verse 
7, it says, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. Man, this is amazing. You know, this is only the third time in history that something like this happened. When Moses parted the Red Sea, they walked through on dry ground. When Joshua came into the Promised Land, God dried up the waters, and it was during flood stage. It was during the time of the year that all of the the Jordan was overflowing its banks, and God just held all of that water back, and the Israelites crossed into the Promised Land on dry ground. This is only the third time in biblical history that something like this happened, and there was no immediate purpose for this. It was just a display that Elijah had this power of God at his disposal, and he used it to cross the Jordan River so that his feet wouldn't get wet. Boy, this is a powerful display of the power of God. In verse 9, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And so Elijah had tried to get Elisha to leave him alone. He wanted seclusion. He knew that God was going to receive him up into heaven. This is another lesson to learn, is that this didn't just happen without Elijah believing for it. He knew what was going to happen. He had a revelation. He had been in contact with God. I tell you, miraculous things. Sometimes people look at it and they think, well, God just indiscriminately does things. He moves over here and heals one person and doesn't heal another. You, people think that the miracles of God are kind of like lightning and you just never know where it's going to strike. That's not true. There are reasons why some people see the supernatural power of God and other people don't. It's not always obvious to us, but I can guarantee you there's always reasons. And Elijah knew what was going to happen to him. He spoke it out. This wasn't something that took him by surprise. He wasn't just walking with God and somehow or another God decided to take him into heaven. No, God had communicated this unto him. He knew what was happening. And so he asked Elisha, he says, what do you want me to do? And he, I believe, also realized that Elisha, the reason he was so persistent and would not obey Elijah and stay in these different places, Jericho and Bethel and Gilgal, was because uh, Elisha knew what was going to happen too. And he was holding on to him, wanting to receive the mantle, the power that had been upon Elijah. He wanted it to come upon himself. So this, again, reveals a lot of things to me, that these people were walking with God. They were hearing from God. They had understanding and knowledge from God that puts most of us to shame. Most of us, again, just go through life kind of like a blind man, and we just trip and fall over things and bump into walls and have these problems because it's just like we can't see off in the distance. We don't know what's happening. And yet the Scripture says in John chapter 16, verse 13, that the Holy Spirit, when He has come, will teach us all things, lead us into all truth, and bring all things to our remembrance. We could operate the way that these men did and even greater. Karis, an accredited Bible college in the beautiful town of Woodland Park, has been changing people's lives for over 25 years. The people here are so like-minded. They want to help you grow. These are people who genuinely care about you. 
They want the best for you. Be prepared to be blown away with the teachings. It's not just a season in your life. There's no way you can't change. You can't really go wrong going to a place that you get to sit and listen to the Word for four hours a day. Being under the Word that much just allowed God to pour so much into me. If you feel supernatural peace about coming to Karis, that's God. I know you're like, how, when, where, all these questions, just do it. The Lord will provide. I was doubting and second-guessing it, but when I took that step of faith, immediately, like, things were provided. Just being around like-minded believers, teachers who are there for you and ready to talk to you at any moment and answer your questions, there's just nothing like it. Just follow the leading of the one that you serve, and that's always going to be the right direction to go. Go to karisbiblecollege.org to register today. This is an early reminder for you to save the date of June the 29th through July the 3rd. Those are the dates of our Summer Family Bible Conference. This is one of the premier events that we host every year, and it's just going to be awesome. we got a special musical presentation on July the 4th, if you'd like to stay over for that. It's going to be a special time. Make plans to join us for the ministry to the entire family, June the 29th through July the 3rd. Andrew's complete series titled Lessons from Elijah is available in either a CD or DVD album, a book in either English or Spanish, or in a study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. You can get these products as part of the Lessons package, which includes two books, Lessons from Elijah and Lessons from David and three albums in your choice of either CD or DVD. Lessons from Elijah, Lessons from David, and Lessons from Joseph. These teachings will give you the chance to learn from the successes and mistakes of three very powerful, but very human men of God. The Lessons Package has a catalog value of $135, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $95. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. I wanted to let you know that we have now teamed up with a ministry called I Donate so that we can receive cars and boats and stocks and jewelry. We have only done this a very short period of time and already we've had tens of thousands of dollars worth of things donated. People, you know, that don't have cash, but they have something that they want to donate. So if you're interested in that, you can follow the information on the screen and participate, and we would love to help you give these assets to the ministry. This is the last night of our 2019 Healing Is Here conference, and I tell you, it has been spectacular. We had people stand up, that said that they had been healed, and I'm sure that there was over a thousand people who stood up to say that they had been miraculously healed. 
and we had people come out of wheelchairs, we had people with heart problems, heart valve problems that were ill, people with, uh, I don't know, you name it. So if you've missed any of this, you know, you will be able to go to gospeltruth.tv and we will have archives of this conference on there. Uh, you can also sign up for next year. And I think one of the things that made a difference this year was the people came and they were excited that from the very first note of the first song, people came expecting their miracles. And I tell you, when you place a demand like that on the Lord, things happen. If you weren't a part of this, if you didn't see it by our live stream, well then go check it out. And next year, plan to be with us in 2020 for our Healing Is Here conference in August. You'll be blessed.